Two years ago, I said, in five years, we're going to see some sort of military intervention in Mexico by the United States. Former Mexican counter-narcotics officer Ed Calderon predicts a day of reckoning. If you are a fan of Narcos or Sicario, brace yourself to hear the real story, the true story about what's happening south of the U.S. border. Hello, I'm investigative reporter Robert Riggs. Ed Calderon is a man who should not be alive. He fled death threats and now lives in the United States, where he is a security consultant. Over the next three episodes, Calderon will take us inside the crime scene tape in Mexico, where cartels, dirty police officers, and even serial killers from the U.S. get away with murder. In part one, we discuss Mexico's unholy alliance with China to make deadly fentanyl. Here's Ed Calderon. Two years ago, I said, in five years, we're going to see some sort of military intervention in Mexico by the United States. And when I said that, I said, and it's not going to be related to cartel issues. It's going to be completely related to geopolitical issues, specifically resources and the ever-looming presence of China and its influence in Mexico. I think that's going to be the, the trigger for the United States to act in Mexico. We currently have a presidency in Mexico who is openly pro-China, pro-Maduro, pro-Venezuela, basically. He loves talking anti-Americanist points in his, uh, in his daily uh, mañaneras, as they call them, his morning uh, chats. And we just had the leading candidate for the presidency of Mexico in the next year, so the next year's elections, unveil his plan to secure Mexico. Plan Ángel, it's called. It's a technological-based plan with AI included into it that is nothing more than the social credit system that China has been utilizing for the past few years. And when he talks about this plan, you, you see the pictures of who he consulted for this plan, this technological surveillance apparatus he's going to put in the whole country. And you see Putin in the background, you see uh, Xi Jinping, you know, and you see Biden, <laughs> which is fascinating to kind of watch. It almost looks like a parody of like a Terminator movie where they're unveiling Skynet. The telling thing about that is who is featured prominently in that video as far as the influence and who's our partners in this technology. They're going to buy that technology not from the United States. They're probably going to buy it from China. So now you have a giant surveillance state right next to the United States that is run on a Chinese platform. Well, it, you know, it's been widely reported that the Chinese furnished the precursor chemicals to make fentanyl. And with the death rate in this country, I'm surprised it hasn't already come to a head. Why, why don't you think it has? And tell us about the Chinese involvement with fentanyl. I think just as murder, disappearances, abductions, and extortions, and all these things are normalized mm -hmm. in Mexico, drug use has been normalized in the United States. It's not only normalized, but it's fostered in certain parts of the country because they view it as a... Uh, as a sickness that needs to be taken care of. And I do view addiction as a sickness. Don't get me wrong. I'm a former alcoholic myself. But there is too much being done to basically foster an environment where people buy and sell drugs that kill them. 
there was a perfect storm when the legalization of marijuana happened in California, which was something that was being sold as something that would cut cartel money. The prescription opiate epidemic kind of intermingled with the legalization of marijuana. Cartels had, had, were already in the business of illegal marijuana grown in the United States in federal lands and also just being grown. So when this happened, it led into a gold rush for a cartel presence that is already established in the United States. Uh, it allowed for them to take advantage of some of the banking issues that some of these uh, narcotics uh, that, that marijuana had. And they basically tossed in their money laundering op apparatus into places like Colorado, for example, which and, and, and some parts of California. What happened then? Well, marijuana is not going to make us that much money if we grow it in Mexico anymore. So let's start switching our crops. And they switched to uh, poppy fields. Mind you, these lands have been leached dry of nutrients after decades of feeding that uh, illegal marijuana habit that people had in parts of the border and other parts of the United States. Uh, so they had to uh, give it something to give it that extra kick. If people can see a ball of heroin, which in my career I saw one about that big once and a few bricks of it, you can smell it before you see it. It's usually black in nature, specifically if it comes from parts of the world where this is very strong heroin. Powdery, light-colored brown heroin is what's coming out of Mexico. It's not as strong. It's The process is different. It's not as powerful as some of the stuff you'll get from the Middle East or Golden Triangle spaces, I guess. And uh, somebody decided to lace it with fentanyl. And when I say somebody, uh, Chinese chemists had already been working in Mexico developing laboratories or teaching how how to create some of these laboratories to cartel members. And I think we're somewhere in the 2000s, uh, 2010, I think they found the first fentanyl laboratory in Mexico. This has led into a, an explosion of as far as not just the trafficking of fentanyl into the United States, but also the local drug markets. And all of that comes from a single source, China. There is no Chinese cartel there is no triad doing shady stuff underneath the government's uh, nose. Um, it's very difficult for me to believe that the Chinese state is not going to know about loads and loads of fentanyl leaving its ports into Mexico. You saw when the COVID epidemic hit and everything was slowed down and shut down, you saw the Sinaloa cartel smuggling fentanyl from the United States to Mexico to load their drugs and then ship it back up. Meanwhile, the new generation cartel was just growing, and it's because they have control and access to the Pacific side ports. So you saw that influence directly there. Is the strategy, motivation of China to, to make money, or is it more about getting a, a deeper foothold in Mexico and also trying to undermine U.S. society? All of it, I think. You see cartel and organized crime elements basically utilizing Chinese banking apps to move around money in Chinese banking and financial institutions to figure out their, their laundering. Once that money goes into those Chinese banking institutions, they become invisible to U.S. eyes. So they're fossil. So if the U.S., let's say the U.S. declares uh, cartel members and organizations as terrorist organizations, now you have a state-sponsored <laughs> organization in a way because they're utilizing some of their financial institutions and their pharmaceutical industry to create a 
substance that, that gets shipped to the United States. A lot of these deaths are incidental because some of these people don't know they're taking fentanyl. So I've heard people say, well, these are junkies, let them die. Some of these kids are kids who did a line of coke because somebody brought it out and the, the coke was laced with fentanyl. And there are three of them are dead, for example. Fentanyl laced pain medication and pain, pain medication cloned to look like pain medication. Somebody handing you one of those and say, hey, you have back issue? Here you go. Oh, cool. Thank you. Boop. Dead. You know. In 1962, the United States and the Soviet Union took the world to the brink of nuclear war when the U.S. discovered the Soviets building sites for nuclear missiles in Cuba, 90 miles from the tip of Florida. In the 1980s, President Ronald Reagan secretly financed a rebel army called the Contras to counter Soviet influence in Nicaragua, 1,800 miles from the tip of Texas. The stakes are much higher in Mexico. Calderon says China is getting a foothold on America's back door. More on that after this message. If the United States decides to intervene because of China in Mexico, what will that military intervention look like? Are we in for a long fight? Or will it look like Iraq, Afghanistan? What do you think? I mean, it all did, I don't know. Uh, this is a this is a war war fighting question. I will say that having fought in war as far as the work that I did was very much a, urban military conflict in a lot of ways. My training was paramilitary. So I know that it's not going to be as easy as sending drones to attack some of these forces. Historically, sending a drone out to kill a Al-Qaeda head has led to some devastating leadership issues. And these groups fizzle out. You do that in a, in a cartel organization. Now you have four people vying for the power of one. And we've already seen what that, what, what that does to some of these organizations. It basically makes them worse. It's like a kicking a beehive. All I know is this war is not going to be like Afghanistan or Iraq. It is a war that is going to be, if, if there is a war, hopefully there isn't, and we come up with some amazing solution that doesn't involve any sort of military conflict. People need to understand that when I say this, this prediction, it's not something I want to have happen because I don't want that to happen. It's just what I see is that's where we're headed. We are linked by blood. We are linked economically. Second uh, largest trade partner is Mexico, the United States. Uh, we are linked financially. We have a giant population of economic migrants in Mexico. When I say economic migrants, Americans are living in Mexico. 90% of all new housing in Tijuana, for example, is being bought up by Americans. So imagine declaring a war or going into an intervention of the kind we saw maybe in Iraq, in a country that is full of Americans. And also imagine fighting an Al-Qaeda and like a, an Al-Qaeda or a terrorist type enemy as, as, uh, as was post 9-11. But this is an organization that is very much in the United States and is very much rooted in the United States. It's, it's a domestic terrorist issue. It is not a foreign terrorist issue, if that is what the United States wants to label it. 
members of the military that are going to be fighting in that war have family in Mexico or are related by blood to people in Mexico. What is that going to mean for some of the uh, war fighters and issues? Uh, imagine uh, one of these uh, guys in charge of this uh, whole operation getting death threats to his family and pictures sent to him of his house. He's going to be fe- he's going to feel what a lot of the commanders that I worked for felt the the I'm not going to commit to something, you know. It is not going to be an easy thing, and you're and Americans are going to feel it in the supermarket. They're going to feel it in their hospitals. Something that doesn't get talked about if if the United States decides to intervene in Mexico and there's a conflict of a sort, or at least a militarization of that border, and nothing gets across it. We're going to experience a health epide- a health crisis that is going to be very familiar to, to to people as far as what happened during COVID. When all the people that can't get their daily supply of what they get are all going to be cut off from the supply. Now you have a hospital system in some cities basically overloaded, adding pressure to the situation. And this this is this is just forecasting. I don't know. In my next episode, part two of my three-part series, Ed Calderon will take us inside the crime scene tape of drug and human smuggling by the cartels and the corruption that rots the core of Mexican politics and law enforcement. In closing, here's my reporter's recap and reflections. I believe you can take what Ed Calderon says to the bank. I say this based on my experience as an investigator for a Congressional Defense Committee and as a television reporter covering national security issues, including three wars. If you want to learn more about the growing threat of the cartels, I recommend reading The Accidental Superpower by geopolitical analyst Peter Zine. The chapter that Zine considers the darkest is titled The North American Drug War. You've been listening to the True Crime Reporter Podcast. Stay true, stay safe, and stay tuned for more stories from Inside the Crime Scene Tape. This is Robert Riggs reporting.